Blog Talk Radio. First, there was a dream. Now, there is reality. Who is number one? Africa's reascension is number one. It's not enough for us to show how we were decultured during the diaspora, slavery, and so forth. It's very important for us to understand how we were recultured and reorganized. We are not uncultured simply because we don't have African culture. You see, we have been what? Recultured and rearranged and restructured. You see, and we must understand in depth how that restructuring took place and how it expresses itself in us and in the way we relate to each other. You see, because it is this reculturation ultimately that we must do what? We must reconstruct. We must tear down. We must remove outside of ourselves. So it's not enough to say what we have been missing as a people. A high African culture, what? Taken away from our people. But we must come to understand how we have been newly created by another people. And how does that new creation under their power represent itself in our personalities and in our social lives, in the way we think, in the way we behave, in the way we perceive the world, in the way we relate to each other and the whole day? Because it's, it's with that understanding that you design an educational curriculum for African children. The way the system of European control works is that you have to accept a concept of reality which makes them superior. If you deny that, their thing will not work. And they will lose their control. The whites and their offspring understood that if we continue to practice our culture, that's when we always overthrew them anytime they invaded our country. Africa's reascension. Hetepu, Yemhotep, Indamana, Indamanesh, Nangadef, Majwo, Kedu, Habaragani, Salbona, Anisogoma, Kopango, Peace, War, War. Pan African Greetings Family, you've entered Africa's reascension, and I'm your host, Kamal Makasi Tahuti. We shall start off this show as usual with an apaya or libation, which deliberately calls upon the energies of our African gods, our African spirit forces, and the forces of those yet born to guide and bless this endeavor. I go. I go, I go. Odomakaman and Yame and Yame Wa. I'm in, I'm in that. Mawulisa, Olo I'm in Ra. Beige Ensa. Asasiya Ensa. Abasun Ensa. Abasun Po Ensa. 
Now the surgery inside. Now the Esiketua inside. Now the Dadakofi inside. Now the Tika Ray. Now the Tika Ray. Now the Tika Ray inside. Now the Sankofa inside. Now the Awusi inside. Now the AC inside. Now the Ajo inside. Now the Ajo inside. Now the Bena inside. Now the Abena inside. Now the Wuku inside. Now the Kui inside. Now the Yao inside. Now the Ya inside. Now the Fi inside. Now the Afi inside. Now the Amen Men inside. Nana, I'm in Miniwa inside. Mojuba Shango, Mojuba Oya, Mojuba Oshun, Mojuba Ogun, Mojuba Alegba. Ancha Herek Chihuti, Ancha Herek Asar, Ancha Herek Aset, Ancha Herek Sekmet. Ancha Herek Heru Kahuti Yashrimo Yansa Yashrimo Ahodin Yashrimo Inchera Yashrimo Sikapa Yashrimo Inquaso Yashrimo Inquaso Abasua Fao Yay Inquaso Asichu Odomakoman and Yame and Yame Wa Amen Amenet Mawu Lisa, Olorun, Amera, Kathawakata, use me and this forum to transmit clear African-centered theoretical and practical information for those listening, so those listening can use it for their own transformation back into the sovereign Africans they once were. May I speak directly to their sunsun, their spirit, their ori, their spiritual head, as well as their Okra and their Okrawa. Lastly, may we speak to their Ab, the heart, which for Kemet was the seat of intelligence. And may these words awaken the long, dormant, and asleep African inside of them. Kum, Achiwarefo, Nina, oh. Kum, Oborfo, Nina, oh. Kum, Achiwade fo nyena oh Madasi pa bio Mo piafo Mo ne kasa Madasi nanano Yo madasi nanano The Apaya libation is an ancient practice that is still done to this nanosecond in all rural traditional areas throughout the continent. Past, present, future become one as those of tomorrow look upon what we are doing now and drawing strength from and doing the rituals of yesterday. Rise up and- 
does step down and claim your story. Spirit of the dead, rise up. Lingering spirit of the dead, rise up and possess your vessel. Those tied, bound, and whipped from Brazil to Mississippi, step out and tell your story. Those in Jamaica, in the fields of Cuba, in the swamps of Florida, the rice Welcome, everyone. This is Kamal McKay-Sitsuhudi, and you have entered Africa's Reascension. This is a special and unique in-week show. Um, I had promised everyone that I was going to get this show done on Sunday, and even with trying to bump the time down, that did not work. So we are doing it now because I didn't want it to linger all the way back into Sunday coming up, um, especially just in case I don't do a show this Sunday because we got a long weekend planned. Uh, one of those things that we'll be doing this weekend on Saturday, there will be a magnificent a comb out in Richmond that we are going to, me and my family are going to go to and partake in. The reason why I share that is because that will be the bulk of tonight's talk. So I'm going to read from the show page to let everyone know who may not be aware what's this detailed response about. I'm going to read from the show page, and then we're going to go into the opening. So, on April 15th of this year, Gregorian calendar, I was invited on the TRS blog talk radio show, ironically entitled Talk Real Solutions. I was to speak on my hot-selling book, How to Make a Negro Christian. While the first two hours went as planned, when the callers came on, the entire talk switched to what they felt was the stupidity of African traditional spirituality as a whole, the untruth of African spirits, and the overemphasis on science and technology only for Africa's future uplift. While I did as well as I could in a hostile environment at the end of the day, I personally, one, wasn't given efficient time to explain certain points and or was just talked over on. And second, I feel like I didn't fully represent real African spirituality as well as I could. So this show corrects that record definitively. I will play some of the exceptionally disturbing clips 
so parental discretion is advised. Also, the same energy that was given to me, I shall give most of it back in this proper response on the proper actions to ensure a positive, long-lasting African global future. I'm going to try to get, um, no, I'm going to get all of it in, in this three hours. And ideally, be done with it. So, let's see. Um, no, it's probably down there. Yeah, there we go. Okay. So, let's go more into depth on this. So what we're going to try to do, we're going to break this into five parts. We're going to have the opening soliloquy. We're going to follow Mama Remba Ani's edict of starting with the African worldview. So the basis will be laid of what African spirituality is um, and what African-based science and technology is. So with that footing, then we'll go into first some of the okay questions that was asked by the TRS audience, and I'll go um, more in-depth with a few of the responses better than I did on the show. Then we're going to go into some of the more dumb, stupid, and idiotic comments that was made, which is all rooted actually in scientism rooted in science, which is their new altar. Science is their new God. Scientism is their new God, and they are bowing at the altar of science and technology. And then we will conclude. On Friday, April 15th, I was a guest on the TRS show, ironically called Talk Real Solutions. They have a few hosts. But the main host is a guy named Tyrone. The host, Chaos, um, or when you listen to, if you have to listen to <laughs> the show because um, some of it is um, mentally stultifying, um, you'll hear them saying over and over again a guy named Gary. Um, his Facebook name is Everett. That was, the, that was the person who invited me on to this show. I thought... I was doing my homework, and I had listened to a previous show to get, to get an idea of how the show um, goes. Boy, the show I picked was wrong. <laughs> it went peacefully. So I was like, cool, I'll be on a regular show. They tend to go on and on and on. Some of their shows last as long as seven hours. And they, they, how they do it is they fuse blog talk radio and YouTube and all that sort of stuff. Now, a main thing that I didn't know going in was that the main host, Tyrone, is a hardcore black-skinned atheist. This will become more important later on. So the first two hours went like a normal talk, talk radio show. Um, I talked about me, my past, um, 
and the soon-to-be-forgotten topic of the show originally, my book, How to Make a Negro Christian. Even the first few calls went okay. Then I made a comment about the asininity of black atheism, and then the entire show came unhinged. While I do wish Chaos slash Gary slash Everett would have shared Tyrone's ideology with me during the invite, I want to say this publicly. I still see Everett, Gary, Chaos as blameless, and I do not see this as a setup show. Bear everyone six hours you could spend doing something Anything more constructive than listening to this TRS debacle. I will play some of the more African brain-numbing clips um, to focus on and comment more fully on. So, in, in, in summation to this particular show, let, let, let me do this. The first two hours, great. The last hour, train wreck. And the other four hours, there was arguing, talking over each other, folks asking for money, at least three death threats, accusations on who is a white girl or not, what a real ghetto boy is, and bitches who better have their money. The last five hours is what typifies what folks think black talk radio should be like. It typifies what folks think intellectual black talk radio should be, and it typifies our collective present status is in the world today. It typifies where we are today as a people. While I do not shy away from forums that ask tough questions for clarity, TRS is not that forum. Or at least that, to be fair, at least that Friday, April 15th show wasn't. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's my opening salvo. Sets it up to let you know what we're going to be dealing with today. And we were going to dig in. Y'all hear me? Dig in to um, some of the things that were said, um, some of the crazy thoughts that are out there running around that shouldn't have um, a platform at all whatsoever. But based on us having the Internet now, it does. So with the opening salvo laid, take a quick break, because we're going to get in it, back at Africa's Reascension. Um, what we're going to do, play, um, um, there's a good brother who I just bought all his music, <laughs> um, Brick the Foundation, and this song, Straight Up, Black Fist. We'll be back, Africa's Reascension. Um <laughs> Are you an entertainer, or are you a committed person to uh, black people? I'm so glad you asked that question. I believe that the liberation and salvation of the black nation must be brought about 
by black people gaining a thorough knowledge of self after our 500 to 6,000 year Holocaust where we have lost over 600 million. And so I believe that that education process must be a process of two steps, inspiration and information. So I seriously give information, but black people are a people of rhythm and spirit. So I also give inspiration. I'm on this mission, so my focus extra heavy. Malcolm X by any means necessary. I be flowing non-stop like I broke my mentals. Let be ready or not, this shit ain't gon' stop. They killin' by cops, they say they plot. So I do this for my people, make my name legendary. Ain't no cracks in this foundation. Being king was temporary. No, no, no. just guiding me. My people's energy guiding me. Black power in these final powers. Everybody count to three. Revolution music. Trust that's all that's coming out of me. No Indians with me. We blowing. That's a lot of chiefs. Raise and be a leader. Probably catch me on that balcony like ML King. Difference is I self-empower. I ain't here to sell y'all dreams. White boys shooting up the church and still y'all think I'm free. Home of the slave, you misbehave and watch the killing spree. Genocide inside your hood. Police look like the infantry. Concentration, FEMA camps, armor plated SUVs. Jade Helm, watch the fam. No ordinary weaponry. 50 cal machine guns, they echo through the city streets. They training us to do us new maneuvers. We the enemies that's war on you and saw you. Watch the loop to all my RBGs. My people, if you with me, where you at? Where you at? Hell high, RBG, I read my flag. RBG, levels raising, about to turn it to the max. Turn it up, this melanated greatest. Let's go, let's go. Call y'all, Mininos. Black God, I'm zoning from my holy temples over instrumentals where your energy got me glowing. Show no, show no. I'm Bruce Leroy, grown up. Grown up. Hold up, hold up. So I kicked the shit like it was Kung Fu. Rock shining on me through the sunroof. Rock, rock. My people need a voice, so I'ma be it. Ain't no name gon' stop this message. Got no choice left but to see it. Check it out. Fully charged under the stars. I'm a superhuman being. Constellations ain't no basis for that European thing. I'll be only for the cause. Cause the news they tell them to. Tell them to. The ones that's really down, I say tell us to. Black power equals black dollars. Better check the revenue. Give you all these no, I can't do you like them rap. No, no. When you need that motivation, I'll be there. I'll be there. This that self empowerment, absorb it through your native roots. I am greatness, melanation, no so gracious for vibrations. Woo. These ain't raps, I'm making Woo. statements. Woo. If you with me, stand and chase it. Ain't no time to be complacent. Keep your eyes out for the mazes. This is more than Watch. entertainment. Here's a message for my people. Ain't no way they can't contain it. Take this knowledge, I'm attaining and combining with this train. It feels amazing. Woo. My people, if you with me, where you at? Where you at? Hell high, RBG, I read my flag. RBG, levels raising, about to turn it to the max. Turn it up, this melanated greatest, is fine, let's go. Let's go. Where you at? Where you at? RBG. All right, we are back, 
Africa's Reascension. This is your host, Kamal Mukasey Tahuti. And again, that was uh, Brick, The Foundation, and his great song, Black Fist. So now quickly, I plan on doing this rebuttal show and be done with it. Since I am not hiding and not scared of anyone on that show, I will be going out of my way to make sure that those I address get a copy of this talk. If, after they hear it, I do, however, reserve the right to comment or not comment, depending upon how egregiously myself, my character, or my scholarship is besmirched. Because I have already been instructed by my wife, and I quote, don't get into a back and forth with these fools. So, with that being said, nope, going the wrong way. We want to start off this way, as any time you're talking about Africa, how you should start off. We should always begin with the African worldview, with the African asili, as it were, the asili, the cultural seed, the essence of the culture, because that is our grounding, that is our frame of reference, and without an understanding of the African worldview, we really cannot um, critique European thought and European behavior effectively. We need that foundation that comes from outside of the European worldview. We cannot critique European thought and behavior functioning within their framework. We have to come outside of it. And for us, what comes from our nature um, is our understanding of the world, the way in which we relate to the world, and the seed from which our culture develops. And we must always begin with the African world view. That African world view that Dr. Marimba Aini just spoke about. And, and, and real quick, let me let me make this point. The I'm going through all this stuff. There we go. The person I just mentioned and a person I will be quoting from quite often, the Marimba Aini, another person I'm pretty sure I'll be quoting and mentioning is Dr. Jacob Carruthers. And then I'll be, of course, bringing in a lot of journal articles. And another book, another person and people that I'll be quoting and from and talking about is Baba Ajay Okoto and his wife, Mama Akwia Okoto. The books in particular, The Sankofa Movement and Yurugu, an African-centered critique of cultural, European cultural thought and behavior. The reason why I'm stressing that Dr. Marimba Ani, um, Dr. Jacob Carruthers, Baba Ajay Mamakuya Koto, I may even slip in some Dr. Kobe Cambon. These people 
are people who are not mentioned by Ankh, the odd killer, definition killer, or by any of these other folks. You go to their YouTube pages and check out page after page of videos they've shared, and they don't have anything on Marimba Aini, Jacob Carruthers. When you listen to their myriad of talks on Blog Talk Radio, they're not looking at Urugu, African Center Critique of European Culture, Thought, and Behavior. They're not quoting from or talking about Dr. Murambani. They're not looking at Medunetra Divine Speech, um, Intellectual Warfare, Science and Oppression by Baba Jacob Carruthers. And I know they don't know about the Sankofa Movement by Baba I.J. Mama Okoto. You can tell a lot about a person, about a book, about a quote-unquote researcher, not only from the people who they do use, but from the people who they don't use. And when you look over a collective body of their work, people who they never use. Atheists, black atheists, cannot use anything of Dr. Narimba Anise, because especially in, in all of her books, Let the Circle Be Unbroken or Urugu, every other page she's talking about African spirituality and how it makes sense in your life and how it must be used for the present day. Damn near every video, audio, lecture that's out on YouTube and Vimeo and other places, same thing. Dr. Jacob Carruthers, same thing. The video that I put up, the deep well of African culture and African spirituality. That's up on my YouTube page, Africa's Reascension. Dr. Jacob Carruthers, it is so appalling that these folks who claim to be black nationalist scholars bring a real scholarship. And they can talk about Dr. Clark, Ben, John G. Jackson, Chancellor Williams, and 100% skip over one of their own contemporaries, Dr. Jacob Carruthers. Dr. Jacob Carruthers is a co-founder of ASCAT with Dr. Clark and Dr. Ben. How the hell are you going to miss him? I don't know why. Because he talks about real African spirituality. And y'all don't understand that. And y'all don't even know about it. So y'all going to try to shit on it and, 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 Act like it don't exist because you don't agree with it. And it seems like everybody from the African Senate movement who's written some books or did videos or whatever, whatnot, who talk about real African spirituality, y'all don't know shit about. So when y'all come at me with those dumb questions that I'll share and those idiotic comments, I know y'all don't know nothing about them. Y'all ain't read about them or y'all just poo-pooed them off. Because y'all don't understand something. The Jacob Carruthers was a contemporary of Dr. Clark, Dr. Ben, Chance Woods, and John G. Jackson. And you know what? See, I, I had a lot of this stuff written down, but now I'm going off the cuff. I'm going to come back to my prepared statements. I need to clear this up right here, right now. Dr. John G. Jackson. All of his books went through American Atheist Press. And back when I was just 
starting this stuff, doing the research, changing my life, all that sort of stuff. I found it a bit hard to try to quote from him because if folks go and reference back, they'd be like, oh, there's some atheists talking. I ain't listening to you, Kamal. You talking atheism and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, well, it's not atheist, but uh, American Atheist Press, okay. I was in California for the Western Regional ASCAT Conference in the late 90s. I got a chance to sit and have dinner at Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles up in L.A., Dr. Leonard Jeffries, and the aforementioned Dr. Jacob Carruthers. And so while we were waiting for our food, I asked him directly point blank, was Dr. John G. Jackson really an atheist? Now, I did not record this call, so I can't definitively prove it by playing back a recording. I didn't get a notary republic, a notary public um, stamp on this statement. You had to take my word for it. So we're sitting in Rob Roscoe's chicken and waffles waiting for the food. And I asked him, was John G. Jackson really atheist? And Baba Carruthers told me no. He said for a while, Dr. John G. Jackson, to live with him. He was going through a bit of tough times. And so John G. Jackson used to live with Dr. Jacob Carruthers. And he told me he knew very well that the Christianity, Islam, all that stuff wasn't no good. And, of course, hanging around those other four, he got led to Africa and Kemet and all that sort of stuff. But at the time when John G. Jackson was writing his books, not one black publisher would touch his material. The only publisher who would touch his material with a 300-foot pole was American Atheist Press. So Dr. Carruthers proceeded to tell me, as the atheists, as we think about it, and not believing in a God and not believing in all that sort of stuff, no, John G. Jackson was not that type. He only did the atheist press thing so he could get his books published. So again, definition killer, Ankh, for you to have a video, to have those four out of the five that I just mentioned, Dr. Clark, Dr. Ben, John G. Jackson, and, and, and Chancellor Williams. And then to have as the cover, the, the, the title of that, Real Black Atheist, that is intellectually disingenuous. Not once did any of them say out of their mouths or in print that they were atheists. Nowhere did they say or write down that we don't believe in a higher power, in a higher force. And while you aren't have been doing this in your own words for 10 years, son, I've been doing this for 20. I've been doing this for double the time that you have been. So I suggest you sit back and listen 
to someone that's been doing this a bit longer than you, has more information than you, understands and accepts African, real African spirituality better than you, and stop lying to and misleading black people and telling them that African spirituality is only science and technology. You are lying. And at best, is intellectually, intellectually, yeah, disingenuous. So now, the African worldview. We African people right now recorded have been around for about 500,000 years in homo sapiens sapiens form. Not going all the way back to millions because they say, okay, that wasn't quote-unquote real humans, whatever, whatever. Homo sapiens sapiens, the, the human beings and the structure and all that that we see today was first on the continent we now call Africa, and the numbers, of course, keep getting pushed back further and further and further. Um, so right now we're looking at 500,000. It could be older than that. It probably will get older than that. But at least for right now, that's the number we're sitting on, 500,000 years. African people have, for the majority of that time, intimate and unique relationship with the environment around them. Not only the natural world, but the spirit world and worlds. Every anthropologist, every ethnographer, Caucasoid, Indian, or otherwise. And then when we learned English and got some education and started writing books but stayed within the tradition, we also come out and talk about the profundity of spirit. Africans are notoriously spiritual and religious. Spirit is within everything that we do. 500,000 years. Just because, and this, is go, this statement right here is going to get repeated over and over again because some of y'all need to hear it. Just because you, as an individual, don't know about or don't agree with something does not mean that that reality does not exist. Because you, as an individual, do not know about or do not understand something does not mean that that reality does not exist. Over and over and over again, Ankh and Tyrone and his cronies were, were, were oh, after spirituality don't mean nothing, it's all just nature, ain't no such thing as spirits, ain't no such thing as ancestors. Venerating nature is stupid. All those type of comments. And again, we're going to play some of this shit so y'all can hear 
was being passed off as black intellectual, tip-top black intellectual thought. So then I ask, who do you believe? Do you listen to these? The oldest of them either is Anka or Tyrone, 50, 60 years on the planet. And their present myopic, only European understanding of reality to the point to where they're trying to say <laughs> that ain't no such thing as spirit, ancestors, none of that. Or do you believe 500,000 years of oral history, of written history, of tangible experiential history that says that spirit, ancestors, deities, all of that do exist. 500,000 years of documented evidence or unlearned Negroes talking out their ass. Who do you believe? I would even go as far as to say, don't believe nobody. You go and do the research for yourself. You can even read bad books on Africa and come out with the understanding that we know what the fuck spirit is. So how these knuckleheads, we don't understand after spirituality. Ain't none of that ever happened to me, so it must not exist. And these motherfuckers crazy. What we understood, what we did, and what we do has had us be the longest living human group on this planet. So evidently, something must be right about it. And just because you and your limited human brain can't figure all of the nuances out don't mean shit. Obviously, it must be right. 500,000 years. The Khoisan, that's how you pronounce it, are quite possibly the oldest people on the planet. They're the ones who started this whole thing as far as humanity. You got the Twa that's equally as old. that folks read about on the show, read one book, one passage on in the show. But if you read the rest of that book, and if you read other books talking about the Twa, your whole nature-only argument would be seen as the bullshit that it is. You got to expand the information. Expand the knowledge base. Don't just read one little passage to prove your bullshit point, dude. Because us real researchers, us folks that's been doing this longer than you will call you on it, like I am right now. Dear here, I'm just getting to an article. No, that's not it. Talking about the Ask Worldview, and we're talking about African understandings of science and technology. Because one thing that I'll probably be repeating is going back to off the definition killer. He stressed scientificality, scientificality, scientificality. However, it was based off of a definitional process rooted in Europe. The folks he say he's against, 
the folks he say he's not down with, but he is married to their thought. Not only by proclaiming atheism, and then not only trying to be slick, but change the definition, and we're gonna get that that nature shit. No, that that's that's not that's not that's not gonna work either. But also his definitions of science and technology, his understanding of science and technology is rooted in Europe. So I would ask that anyone, if, if you have journal access, or you can even find some good stuff just um, in Googling, Google a whole series of research called IKS. IKS stands for Indigenous Knowledge Systems. What that is is Africa got ran up in basically from 1442 into the present. And from 1442 on, 1442 is when the Portuguese came, and they, that was the first African that was taken. That's, that's our beginning point as a pan-Africanist. I don't get stuck in, oh, the first ones in America, and that 1619 should ain't even right. But anyway, so 1442 to the present. They come in and disrupt our way of life. They come in and tell us that the ways we are doing stuff is wrong and is backwards and is stupid. They educate us in their miseducation schools to forget about the past ways of y'all doing stuff. Just focus on what we're going to teach you on how to do stuff, whether that's in science, technology, agriculture, education, health, all of it. Forget all your stuff, your African stuff. Do it our way. Since we were conquered, physically at least, since we were not in control of our institutions, we went along with it. And Africa's material prosperity was not able to benefit us. It ended up benefiting Caucasoids. They would come in, get the natural resources, um, take them back to Europe, manufacture them there, create the finished product, and then sell the shit back to us. But they would come in and get the natural resources for half pennies on the dollar, not even whole pennies, half pennies on the dollar. But then when they get the finished product from Europe and sell it back to us at exorbitant prices, you do that enough times over and over and over again, and you see the rape of the continent. So what IKS is, is African folks have finally said, you know what, this shit ain't working. We need to look at the ways that we did stuff in all aspects, again, <laughs> agriculture, medicine, science, technology, all of that, how we did stuff. And let's see how we can use that to our advantage for the present day, for the modern day. That's what IKS is. And so there is a plethora, there is a ton of articles online and in journals 
and in books dealing with that process. So one thing that I want to share now, this was done in 2000, Discovering Indigenous Science, Implications for Science Education. Now, just that phrase, indigenous science, already got some folks for this rebuttal shook. Indigenous and science? Oh, my God. What are you talking about? So now let's just go through the abstract. I'll share a little bit of the abstract here. Indigenous science relates to both the science knowledge of long-resident, usually oral culture people, as well as the science knowledge of all peoples who as participants in culture are affected by the worldview or relativist interests of their home communities. This article explores aspects of multicultural science and pedagogy and describes a rich and well-documented branch of indigenous science known to biologists and ecologists as traditional ecological knowledge, or TEK. Although TEK has been generally inaccessible, and that's probably to Westerners, because we've been we knew it, we've been doing this shit. Um, educators can now use a burgeoning science-based TEK literature uh, that documents numerous examples of time-proven, ecologically relevant, and cost-effective indigenous science. So now the article goes in and it talks about um, what the TEK is. They talk about um, what is science. They have a little bit of that in here. Um, And definitely from listening to the callers on that TRS show, folks have misdefined science as being Western. Science is not universal, believe it or not. Science is culturally determined. What is rational and what is irrational is culturally determined. How you are going to use the science to benefit the people of said society is not universal. It is culturally determined. As we said in the beginning, in Africa, after 1884, when the, um, no, I can go back to 1442, then 1884, you've got the taking out of the continent of close to 100 million, 200 million people. And then immediately after that, you've got Caucasoids coming in um, using direct rule to run the continent. They had to go with the Western, quote-unquote, definition, the Western definition of science for all things. And that's one of the reasons why Africa presently is in the quagmire that it's in today. Using the raw models, using culturally determined models that they were told were universal to take care of their culturally specific problems. And that's hampering us here, and that's hampering us in Australia, and that's hampering us 
everywhere we go. We think Caucasoid shit can be applied to everyone, and we don't look at our own culturally specific definitions of solving our own problems. We are the oldest people on the planet for a reason. Our culture has all of the answers in it to take care of us today, presently. The problem is we aren't using her knowledge. The problem is you got some clowns trying to redefine stuff to suit them, but not suit Africa and the African definitions. We got some folks who if they don't understand something or if they don't know something about it, then it must just not totally exist. So therefore you can't even tap into the wrong, the wealth of knowledge that is Africa because your dumb ass won't study it. You just say it don't exist because I don't understand it. Our position on science is closely aligned um, with that particular author who defines every culture has a science. Something like its own way of thinking and or its own worldview. By science, I mean rational, purposeful, good, directed explanation of science of the physical world surrounding man. Western science is only one form of science among the sciences of the world. Also, the people living in indigenous culture itself may not recognize the existence of its own science Hence, it may be transferred from generation to generation merely by invisible or non-formal settings. Africa's science and technology is rooted in her. It's rooted in her culture. It's rooted in her spirituality. And when I get back to the prepared statement, you'll hear this again, we, being taught by the West and white folks and crackers and caucasoids, compartmentalize existence and reality. So we think that we can take after spirituality just by itself over here. We think we can just take education and put it right here. We think we can take concerns about health and mental wellness and put it over here. And each one of those things are mutually exclusive from each other and they don't touch nowhere, nowhere else, nowhere. Again, from the book you ain't never talked about, Urugu, an African-centered critique of European cultural thought and behavior, compartmentalization is a high aspect of European thought. So everyone on that call who did that was coming from a European worldview. African people, for at least 500,000 years, see no separation between church and state, see no separation between secular and spiritual. It's all together. Spirituality is fused in with African health modalities, is fused in with African teaching modalities, is fused in with African science definitional modalities, is fused in with African technological developments. Anything else is not African, and you cannot use the term. 
you can call it something else if you like, but are you going to call it African based off of 500,000 years of documented and experiential evidence? If you don't use that evidence and you just try to say some other shit, then it's not African. You will have to call it something else, and you're being exposed right now. Indigenous science, this one author defines it as a cultural, a culture-dependent collective rational perceiving of reality. Collective means held in sufficiently similar forms by many persons to allow effective communication, but independent of any particular mind or set of mind. Culturally dependent, collective, rational perceiving of reality. He goes on, he goes on, and he talks about Ah, here we go. The wisdom aspect of T-E-K or I-K-S. Traditional wisdom may be thought of as an aspect of T-E-K that focuses on balancing human needs with environmental requirements. In describing traditional wisdom, they say, all life form must be respected as conscious, intrinsically invaluable, and interdependent. Respecting an animal's body means honoring its spirit and using every part of the animal's body. In practical terms, traditional wisdom extends the caring relationships associated with quote-unquote family life to communities and even to the environment. We are all relations. It is wrong to exploit other life forms or to take more than one share. The deep interest our children feel in animals, plants, waters, and earth should be trusted and encouraged. All creatures can be our teachers. While humans may readily affect other life forms, we need not see ourselves as superior. That is what they say called a wisdom aspect of traditional ecological knowledge. Now, you can disagree with that all you want. But this, that good statement there is a core crux of what it means to be African. So if you do disagree with that, then you are operating outside of the African defined boundaries of 500,000 years. So you can say and define and do whatever you want, but you're talking about some other shit, you're not talking about Africa, because this is what we're rooted in. You can dislike it all you want, but this is what it's rooted in. And they go on. I mean, this is a good article. This is a very good article. Um, TEK is a cumulative body of knowledge and beliefs handed down through generations by cultural transmission about the relationships of living beings, including humans, with one another and with their environment. 
Further, TEK is an attribute of societies. By and large, these are non-industrial or less technologically advanced societies. Again, now, even in this quote, technologically advanced based on someone else's definition of what it is. Um, because I swear, when you really start looking into African sciences, we are advanced. When you look at, when you understand in, in math, the whole fractals piece, certain patterns reoccurring over and over and over again, and the math behind all that, and you look at how that's all throughout Africa, African arts, African home creations. There's a deep, deep science to what we do if we only have the faith enough to look at it as such. Brother Jason on our show was talking about um, the Odui Fa is the basis for the whole binary system that runs every single computer, even the one I'm on right now today. And there's been a, and there's been articles by by folks breaking that down and looking at it, so we ain't pulling that out our ass. Everything I'm gonna say tonight, unless I preface it that way, I can back it up with someone and some research saying it. The majority of the stuff that was on that TRS show, folks pulling it out their ass because they have not studied or looked at or read, and none of them have experienced real African spirituality. So it's like you can say anything you want if you don't know shit about something and you ain't experienced nothing. And that's what they did Friday, April 15th. Contributions of this particular type of scholarship is concerned with ecological and environmental knowledge of long resident, usually oral culture societies. Some of the contributions are perceptive investigations of traditional environmental knowledge systems can provide science researchers with important biological and ecological insights. It provides effective and cost-effective shortcuts for researchers investigating the local resource base. Local knowledge may make it possible to survey and map in a few days what would otherwise take months or, or by example, soil-type plants, animals, species, migration pathways, um, and aggregation sites. It locates rare and endangered species for researchers identifying sensitive areas, such as aesthetic qualities or species diversity. Um, it helps define protected areas and can be used for natural resource management. Protected areas may be set aside to allow resident communities to continue their traditional lifestyles with the benefit of conservation. And it provides time-tested, in-depth knowledge of the local area, which results in more accurate environmental assessment and impact statements. People who depend on local resources for their livelihoods are often able to access the true costs and benefits of development better than any evaluator from the outside. And then they also go into how the Western world still doesn't want to look at, still doesn't want to accept indigenous science um, 
there are a number of issues that make it difficult to incorporate indigenous science examples into a Western scientific framework. Chief among them is the fact that many scientists and science educators continue to view the contribution of indigenous science as useful, but outside the realm of real science. And I'm sure the knuckleheads that was on TRS fit into that category. And then they go through the West, has their um, definitions of science. But what I want to get to is here. Reconciling the spiritual base of TET. A second problem of integration is that of the refusal of many scientists to recognize traditional ecological knowledge as science because of its spiritual base, which they regard as superstitious and fatalistic. Superstitious is a word that you've heard that you, if you listen to that TRS show over and over and over again. Black bodies, but with white minds. Continuing, what they fail to recognize is that spiritual explanations often incorporate important ecological conservation and sustainable development strategies. In reference to TEK, they point out spiritual explanations often conceal functional ecological concerns and conservation strategies. Further, the spiritual aspect does not necessarily detract from the aboriginal's harvest ability to make appropriate decisions about the wise use of resources. It merely indicates that the system exists within an entirely different cultural experience and set of values, one that paints no more or no less valid a picture of reality than the one that provides its own quote-unquote Western frame of reference. He further asserts the spiritual acquisition and explanation of uh, traditional ecological knowledge, TEK, is a fundamental component and must be promoted if the knowledge system is to survive. Essentially, criticisms of the validity and utility of indigenous science misapprehend the structure and mechanics of indigenous oral information systems. These systems do not simply assert that mythic and magical forces cause and control events. Large numbers of indigenous people observe, interpret, and orally report nature exhaustively. Rather than writing about their findings, they may use metaphorical stories to compress and organize important information so they can be readily stored and accessed. In the past, when newcomers were actively marginalizing indigenous people, they had no inclination to access this information. And we still got niggas in 2016, Gregorian Calder, doing the same shit as these white folks. But claiming they pro-black and doing stuff for Africa. Black bodies, white minds. However, as we have seen during recent years, the situation has changed, and a very considerable number of scientists have, quote-unquote, decoded, quote-unquote, transcribed, and, quote-unquote, interpreted significant quantities of precise indigenous science knowledge. I could go on and on with that one, um, but I won't. That's a good article. Um, 
and again, and again, let me let me let me read it again into the record. Discovering indigenous science implications for science education. Um, looks like this was done in the UK, University of Victoria in British Columbia, um, back in 2000. It's a shame that that these two cognizants are at least honest enough to have a more open understanding of what African spirituality is and how it how it is lived throughout indigenous people's lives and how it must be used to survive and thrive if folks are to get better with stuff. These two caucasoids understand that better than black folks talking six or seven hours allegedly in the interest of black people. Another nice little article. It's called The Value of African Taboos for Biodiversity and Sustainable Development. This one is by a brother named Joseph Osei. And we won't go through the totality of it, but basically he's saying that the personal taboos, the collective taboos um, within African culture help have, have a myriad ways of helping um, the society, and they must be uh, maintained if that society is supposed to um, thrive and continue. Um, again, you've got some environmental taboos um, where we talk about where you clean sacred forests and bushes, um, you do not cut down forbidden timber species. Um, during particular seasons of sacred days, you don't hunt or fish. You don't eat certain sacred animals, totem animals. Um, you don't dig a grave without authorization from the chief or other traditional authorities because we got to make sure where are you where are you um, doing it at, make sure that area isn't seen as something sacred. There are economic taboos, um, birth control taboos, and all of the personal safety taboos, all of these taboos are rooted in the people's quote-unquote religion or their spirituality. And without those taboos, the society falls apart. And since the, 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 the unfortunate majority of us are not following our traditions, are not looking into the past and, 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 and using what made us a 500,000-year people, you see the societies falling the hell apart. And so, again, just giving an idea of starting with the African worldview, um, I didn't mean to belabor it this much. Um, also, there's the Imhotep Journal, the May 2010 edition. The entire 64-page journal is talking about African healing traditions. 
within African healing traditions, and you can again, you can almost get a bad book on this, and you will get this particular thing that I'm about to say. You you you're sick, and you go to a Babalao, you go to a Hugnan, you go to um, a traditional healer for diagnosis, for help, for a cure. There, there, are, there will be a possibility of three ways to look at it. One, it has a spiritual component only. Two, it has a spiritual and physical component. Or three, it has a physical component only. So when you go to this Bible lab, when you go to this Hunan, when you go to this um, Akomfo, they initially do ritual to figure out which one of those three problems that it is. If it is a spirit-only problem, then that traditional healer will give you the ritual that you need to do to appease whatever spirit has presently have you ill. And I'm going to come back to that in a minute and share a quick story. If it's, if it's a spiritual and a physical problem, then they will give you the particular ritual to do to appease a particular spirit, and they will give you some medicinal herbs to take, and they'll tell you how much to take and how long to take it, and then you get healed that way. And then if it's just a physical ailment, then they will just go ahead and give you the herbs and the medicine, which is still infused with spirits. You can't get away from spirit. But if it's, a, if, if it's determined that it's physical only, then, you know, physical therapy or just the healing herbs and medicine or salve or whatever, whatever. Now, I want to come back real quick and talk about if it's the first one, the spirit piece. Now, again, some of these folks, like to pose in front of cute bookshelves, and we have to see, is it just a green screen or if it's real books behind them? And if they are real books behind them, what are the books? Are they just safari books? Are they just um, cute books with animal with African animals in them? Or are they books dealing with African reality? Because at least on 10 separate occasions in, in looking at this medicine piece, the healing and mental wellness piece, I've come across stories like this. And I wish I could even remember it as a YouTube clip. Um, a sister um, from Ghana went through this as well. Person got sick. Person got sick. And now maybe I should start it this way. There was an individual who was a part of a lineage of healers. And he didn't want them to do with that. He just, you know, wanted to um, go to America, do his individual thing, just do that sort of stuff. His grandfather was the indigenous healer. 
And it's that legacy that he was going to bestow onto his son. His son, however, got caught up with the whole Christianity thing and didn't want to have nothing to do with it. So therefore, the dad didn't have anything to pass down to the son, the one that wants to do the individual thing. But in this particular scenario, the legacy fell on that boy, that child. So the grandfather gets sick, and so the elders come, and they, and they come to the boy, and they tell him, look, grandfather's about to, be, about to pass. Um, we need you to come here. We've got to do these rituals. Um, so we can pass this information on to you so you can be the next line um, in this um, healing family, in this traditional healer's family. And the boy said no and turned him down, and then he went on off to America somewhere. Grandfather passes. The boy in America grows deathly ill. I mean, not just sick, not no sneezing, deathbed ill. He went to all the best doctors he could think of. He had a little bit of money, went to all these different doctors. No, none of this Western education, none of this Western medicine, none of that Western um, technology could heal him. He had a little bit of time left to live. So he was like, you know what, let me go back home. If I'm going to die, let me go back there and die. So he comes back home. Folks find out that he's sick. They they do what I just said, the ritual on him. And the um, healer came back and said, your grandfather is upset at you, and he's the one that's made you ill. And you will stay ill <laughs> until you right now forthwith proclaim that you will continue the legacy of me. So the boy was like, well, shit, I don't want to die. Okay, okay, I'll do it. Do a ritual. That next day, he was healed. He was well. And he went and he did the rituals, and he became the next um, traditional healer in line with his family's legacy. There is story after story after story in print on that. And if you talk to the right people, they will share this information over and over and over again, similar things. Just because you might not like it or want to do it does not supersede Africans. And so in this um Imhotep I just lost it. There we go. In this Imhotep journal, African healing traditions, they go through there's an article talking about Zulu traditional healing, another one the Shona, another one the Bakango, another one the Yoruba, another one the Dogon, another one Akan another one Maasai, another one Wenti. How many was that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 
eight different traditional groups. Zulu and Shona down in the south, Congo sort of in the middle, Dogon in the east, Akan, Yoruba in the west. So they, in, within these ten, they got east, west, north, south, and central covered. Either in the articles, they, in the pieces that they lay out here, or in related books dealing with those people, those specific people and traditional healing modalities, you will come across case studies and examples of the exact same thing that I just shared with the with the grandson and with the three modalities of healing. Spirit is intertwined in all things with African people. You cannot get around it. You cannot skirt away from it because you don't like it, because you don't understand it. It's a fact of African life. It's been a fact of African life for 500,000 years, and it will be a fact of African life for another 500,000 years, whether you like it or not. So we won't go through each one of these 10, but like I said, you sick, either A, it has a purely spiritual reason, the healer will go through that, find out who the spirit is and what, what you need to do to propitiate them, give you the ritual to do. Once you do that particular ritual, the, that, that, that spirit, that ancestor will be appeased, and the ailment goes away. It can be a spiritual and physical problem. So all the stuff I just said about the ritual and spirit, you will have to do that. And they will give you some actual physical medicine to take or rub on you or whatever, whatnot to do to be well. Or third, it will be physical purely, and they'll give you the medicine and the salves or whatever to take care of it. So within ecology, within healing modalities, African spirituality is 100% intricately woven within it. Whether you like it or not, it is. Deal with it. And lastly, to talk about again the person that y'all don't mention, probably don't even know and definitely ain't read Urugu. Before she wrote Urugu, she wrote a nice article dealing with um, metallurgy. Um, that one I do not have in front of me. Um, I think it was about the um, Mende people, but it's talking with blacksmithing. And each, while she's specifically talking about metallurgy, she also makes the point that each particular school of knowledge where, where you're doing some work at, whether it's wood carving, whether it's art, um, whether it's this metallurgy, um, whether it's other things like that, there is the apprenticeship and levels and secret societies involved in learning um, the totality of that craft. In her article dealing with metallurgy, she talks about how um, when you get to almost completion within these um, within the within the um, 
secret society of metallurgy for this particular group. You learn how to communicate with the, with the deities of metal. And the deities of metal lets you know which is the best metal for weaponry, which is the best metal um, just to build buildings, what's the best metal for X, Y, and Z within the society. You don't want to use a softer type metal for for making a sword because the shit will fall apart. You don't want to use a harder particular metal within buildings because if with the heat, especially in Africa, it might expand too much and mess up the integrity of the building. So you, you have to have a balance with which particular metals that you use for the particular use that you're going to have with it. And there's deities and African spirituality involved with that. And you learn these these specialties within the craft as you continue to progress through your apprenticeship within metallurgy. So again, Dr. Marimba Ani, person some of y'all don't quote, don't know about, don't do nothing about because she's talking about African spirituality all day long. You see it existing within, um, and I'm blanking on the word, but within these um, um, apprenticeship schools, again, carving wood, um, in this particular example, the metallurgy, um, in all aspects like that. So crafts, metallurgy, healing, and mental wellness, ecology, and environment. Share some information. Nothing's coming out my ass. Share direct information about how African spirituality is intricately involved with life. And it's not just nature, it's, it's spirit interaction as well. And just because you, as an individual, may not know or understand what's up with spirit within relations to African spirituality does not mean that it doesn't exist. And this idea that I can think into or out of existence anything that I want to, again, is purely European thought. Black atheism is comparative to Bruce Jenner. Just because I think I'm a woman, now I'm a woman. Just because I think African spirituality is some bullshit, it must be some bullshit. Same exact thinking. But when you contrast that, I don't even say but. Well, I can't say but. But when you contrast that type of thinking with 500,000 years of documented and experiential knowledge, you find out that that way of thinking in relation to Africa is bullshit, point blank. 
Now, since we talked about the African worldview, I was going to do this later, but I'll go ahead and do it now because in one of the clips, yeah, on that clip, you hear Ankh asking me to define we're spirit, man. We're spirit. We're spirit, man. We're spirit. And, and, and it's sort of, you know, muffled. So you, 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 when I even had to up the levels on the program so I can make sure to hear it properly. And he just was like, we're spirit, man. We're spirit. And it's funny, folks always want to ask you for specific definitions when they backed up into a corner. So they feel like, okay, let me get him off his game and, and throw in. So what's this definition? What's this definition? As if you didn't know. But now we're in relation to Africa, everything that come out your mouth is you don't know. So, okay. So what I'm going to do right here, and then we're going to take a break and, and get into some specific stuff that was done, is I'm going to quote from the Sankofa movement, Re-Africanization and the Reality of War. By two people who I mentioned who I know he don't know nothing about here in D.C. that none of them know about, Kwame Ajay and Akuya Insoma Koto. They have been living this and doing this for upwards of 40 years. If you don't know the work that they've been doing here in D.C., fusing science, technology, African spirituality, rituals, all that sort of stuff. If you don't know about the work that's being done here, that's on you. But you can't say shit ain't being done. You just need to expand your knowledge base. Because you, the individual, do not know or do not understand something does not mean that reality that's the type that specific reality does not exist. We use the term spirit in a variety of ways to mean a variety of things. This is um, coming from page 165 of that book. They actually dedicated an entire chapter to considerations of spirit in reafricanization and nation building. Now, I know just that phrase got y'all shook. Considerations of spirit, reaffinization, and nation building? Yes. The one main thing that I was saying on the show and that I will continue to say is that real African spirituality must be fused with science and technology, must be fused with nation building. One, all alone by itself, ain't going to work ain't going to get us to where we need to go and won't sustain us after we're there. So I am not down with just ringing bells and, and, and burning incense, but I'm also not down with throwing away a real African spirituality that's 500,000 years old and just deal with science and technology, usually defined by Caucasoids. I am for the fusion. I am for what we were doing on the continent for thousands and thousands of years. And when we get into it, if we were so big with African spirituality, how come Europeans ran up on us? That wasn't an African spiritual problem in totality. There was some other stuff in the culture that went wrong and that was going on with us 
that led to that. But you can't put that shit all on African spirituality's doorstep. That, again, is intellectually disingenuous. Page 165, Considerations of Spirit and Reafricanization and Nation Building. We're going through reading how they lay out um, a few types of definitions of spirit since um, folks don't seem to know what the hell spirit is now all of a sudden. We use the term spirit in a variety of ways to mean a variety of things. We sometimes employ it to describe the essential character or defining dynamic of a thing or event. We use it as a reference to things unseen and unknowable. It is often used as a synonym for the ethereal and amorphous. We use it to describe the unseen quality of the individual that exists apart from self, but which is complementary to it. It sometimes refers to the energy, character, dynamic that we may consciously or unconsciously summon up or impart to a thing or activity that we are substantively involved with. Spirit is also used to describe the intuitive, those supranational, excuse me, excuse me, let me start over again. Spirit is also used to describe the intuitive, those supranational, Rational, S-U-P-R-A, rational, connectedness that many of us feel with the entirety of connection, creation. (laughs) Spirit in its broadest usage, broadest usage. Yeah, I got to take a break after this. I need something to drink. Spirit in its broadest usage refers to the totality of existence and the multiplicity of its manifestations at the same time. Time. So there's your definition, Ark, the definition killer. Pick one of those. That's what we mean by spirit. And when we talk about African spirituality, we're talking about rituals based on the culture and cosmology of the culturally defined people in dealing with and interacting with spirit. Okay? We good? All right. Quite a bit more coming from this book, so stay tuned. All right, so that was a long soliloquy. (laughs) Well, no, that was a long part one. Um, We will continue this. Um, I'll be going less off the cuff and more with my prepared statements. Um, we got 22 minutes left in the live part of the show. Um, so if you want to continue with this live listening, 760-454-1111, um, I'm getting all this in, and we're going to let the chips fall where they may. And so I'm about to take a break now. Um, I'm going to keep playing this song until somebody get it. And when the people 
the, some of the specific people that I'm addressing this to get this, I want y'all to focus in on the second stanza. He gives the first 16 bars, then there's the hook. The second 16, I really need all of y'all to listen to and hear. This is a brother named Iwax. Speak no Ifa. We'll be back here at Africa's Reascension. Oh, 
a short breath. The old goon dispose of crackers' corpses with a paw Crackers, we wrote our history and talk class. Only way they'll be old is us in dog years. Speaking of that, why they pink ass grow dog hairs? They was having sex with dogs in them small caves. They still do it. They gon' be some beasts always. Only thing I'll ever owe you crackers digging y'all brains. Cause like I said in the Crackers are cancer to the earth Spreading AIDS, plagues, and baggages So anytime I give information, it's emphatically Voice up my ancestors, murdered through they savagery Your cracker won't speak no This is your host, Kamal McCasey Dufudi, and we are doing a detailed response to my April 15th um, interview slash hijacking on TRS Blog Talk. <clears throat> One other quick point I got to get in real quick. Another reason why those people posing as black intellectuals don't know about Jacob Carruthers is, like I said in the beginning, because he was talking about African spirituality. Even though <laughs> he ran with Dr. Clark, Dr. Ben, Dr. Jackson, and Dr. Williams, these <laughs> real definition of pseudo folks don't mention him and don't talk about him. Don't know he existed. Don't quote him, none of that. Part of that reason that I forgot to mention is that in his co-founding with Dr. Clark and Dr. Ben of ASCAC, he laid out um, they have four commissions, and Dr. Carruthers was the main proponent in laying out the spiritual commission. You can go to their website and read what their spiritual commission is. He also created, he was the founder of TACC, the Traditional African Community of Chicago, which was a Kemet-based service um, when I was going every Sunday of the month which was basically he was creating ritual. It wasn't just academic. It wasn't just intellectual. He wasn't just writing about it. He used the Kemetic Institute, now the Jacob Carruthers Institute, as the creation of a temple to continue on Kemetic knowledge, Kemetic spiritual knowledge, Kemetic life knowledge. And then, as they even got more people in and stuff like that, then more traditional African knowledge was shared at TACC. And he also, in the in the piece in the in my YouTube one of my YouTube videos, the Deep Well of African Culture and African Spirituality, he slams atheism. He gives a quick historical piece on it and then slams it. And then for folks who listen to my show, the end, I'm always using one of his particular quotes um, that he did attempt to live by. And let's play that right now. 
No people can be spiritually, politically, or psychologically free when they worship an image of God assigned to them by another people. The new revolution in Africa that will usher in real independence will start when Africans begin to look at all aspects of their life based upon their spirituality, their culture, and their political interests. Y'all get that? Hope you got that. And I could continue with him. <laughs> I could continue with him. Cause, and then we did a, a lecture breakdown show of that particular video that we put up. And so that's here at Blog Talk as well, um, the deep well of African culture and African spirituality. So I just wanted to get that in. Um, again, you can tell a person, a book, an organization, um, you can tell who they are, not only by who they do read and watch, but also by who they don't read, watch, quote. They don't talk about Dr. Kruger. They don't talk about Rambani. They don't talk about Kobe Cambone. They don't talk about the Okotos. They don't talk about a whole bunch of other folks because they can't reinterpret or manipulate or lie and say, African spirituality is some bullshit and all Africa is is science and technology. And some of these folks are still around and alive today, (laughs) so they definitely can't do that on them because they can film while they're still here. It's interesting, some of the folks they use and really focus on are dead now, so they can reinterpret and manipulate their words and their works however they want to. And I spoke on that earlier as well. And for more information on the African worldview and worldview system, so you can understand the difference between the European worldview and the African worldview, another good book that you, I know y'all don't know exists, The African Personality in America, an African-Centered Framework by Dr. Kobe Cambone. He was a brother who helped revolutionize um, the field of psychology, African psychology, by helping his students be able to empiricize. Y'all talking about poof, 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 give me poof, poof, poof. Dr. Kobe Cambone in the field of psychology helped revolutionize the field by giving proof of the African reality within psychology. Dig up his four books. One of, y'all, one of the books that y'all wouldn't want to read because he's talking about y'all is called Cultural Misorientation. But the books where he helps to quantify the reality of African reality within um, our existence today, he's got a, a light green cover book, which is a collection of all his different articles. Kobe Cambone, K-A-M-B-O-N. Kobe, K-O-B-I. Get the book. Start talking intelligent about Africa and not just shooting off stuff out y'all ass because y'all don't know about it and don't like it. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. We got nine minutes left in the live broadcast, and then we got another hour of overtime, 760-454-1111. I do reserve the right at midnight. If I do not get everything in by the time the show ends, I will – 9.30, 11. Ah, 
I see if they let me do it because I'm bleeding over into. I was going to say at midnight I'll redo another show here. Um, but yeah, we'll work that out as we go. I'm going to try to just get it all in now. So um, again, if you want to continue this live now, seven six zero four five four one 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 one. You got nine minutes left in the live broadcast. Um, after which time the feed will drop and you'll just have to get everything in the archive when we're through. Um, yeah. Okay. One of the callers, so now we're going to get into some of the um, questions that was made. And like we said in the beginning, I split these up into some of the better questions and some of the more stupid, dumb, idiotic, non-learned comments. So we're going to deal with the um, better questions first. So one caller asked about libations and creating an altar. And while I feel I gave a decent answer, I would like to add, <laughs> I don't know how I forgot this, but I did a seven-part series called Real African Spirituality. Um, two parts dealt with t those two aspects. Real African spirituality practical applications, that's number two, and real African spirituality is practical aspects. I, I labeled that 2.5. Within that, that talks about um, the libation that I do at the beginning of all my broadcasts, as well as what libations are in general. Um, and then we also talk about creating um, an altar, an encomre. That's one of our terms for it. The Akan, one of the Akan terms. An African term, and I'm using the Akan term in Comre. Also, our good friend Kwesi Ra Nahim Patai Khan on his Ajirafo show um, did a broadcast called In Comre, which is, like I said, a tree word for altar or shrine. Um, these three shows should answer the libation and altar construction questions fully. Now, I want to make sure I pull this up. About to share a quick clip from this show. <laughs> it ain't going too crazy yet. But now, um, Tyrone, the hardcore atheist who I didn't know was one, <laughs> um, asked, "Have I ever seen a deity? Have I ever seen one of the African deities and what they look like?" And I don't think. Um, my sh my show response fully answered his query, so um, I'm going to play that clip and then give a more detailed answer. But I have another question. So that so that so that's like something that's passed down. I'm guessing. Oh no, I'm just uh, well, listening right now. I know. Oh, I just wanted to know, brother. Like, so you know, he said there's no there's no book. There's a certain way. So I'm guessing my next question would be, well, how did you learn? Did you learn from, like, an elder? Was it passed down? You know what I'm saying? Okay, I thought, okay. Um, yeah, for me, yeah, I did read copious, copious amounts of books. <laughs> um, but as I said in the beginning, all of the books that no. I read didn't prepare me for the African spiritual ritual experience. Like being Hello. in that a calm setting, hearing you, you um, on, man. seeing people dancing, mm. 
seeing, feeling <laughs> the, 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 the deities come into the space that you're at. None of the books had, you know, really set me up mentally for that. Uh, they, they, and you they actually seen deities come into the space where you're at. Is that what you're saying? Yes. yes. Wow. Yes. Just Even just last week. Again, at the Sankofa Conference, they do it for three days. They ended with... A, okay, okay, okay. What does a deity look like? What does a deity look like? Please answer that. What does a deity look like? Because it has like no form, that. Tyrone. <laughs> it's not like that. The energy oh, just has no form. into a physical person. Yeah. The energy well, how, enters into so a you, physical you, person. You see come into your and space, so, and you not like that. So tell us how it is. Right, that's what I was doing. So the energy joins a particular person. So if that particular person is is trained already, then they would have like a little suitcase because there are certain things that the deities wear that let you know, okay, this is a surgery. None of that's testable. None of that's – okay, I'll shut up. Y'all go ahead, man. (sighs) (laughs) A staple – Almost African universal, something I don't think any other religion or spiritual system has, is direct spirit-human interaction. Whether it be a deity, an ancestor, blood or national, or another extra-dimensional force. When, When a sacred space is created, when certain specific drum rhythms are played, When certain specific songs are sung, the deities come to our tangible physical realm, merge, join, or if we must use this term, possess individuals at the gathering. While my more detailed explanation will use the Akan system of Ghana, it is almost identical to folks who practice the Yoruba system of Ifa from Nigeria, the Vodun system of Benin in Haiti, the Sangoma experience in South Africa, Shona, Indabele, and Zulu, to name a few, and the Asar set system where folks practice a version of the ancient Kemetic system. I will limit my answers to those that I just mentioned because I have experienced these systems firsthand, felt said energies, and seen the aforementioned deities join with us on this realm. But my scholarship attests that this general spiritual schematic I just laid out is similar across traditional African systems. Throughout the continent and wherever Africans had gotten in touch with the spirit forces in their specific areas. So let's set this up. So now again, we're about to set this up, but we got two minutes left live. So if anyone that's listening on the computer, the show's cutting off in two minutes. We, if you want to continue hearing this live, seven six zero four five four one 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 one. So now let's set this up. Since this is an icon specific example, one of the first and most in depth books on the subject, written by an insider, is called. The Quest for Spiritual Transformation, Introduction into Traditional Akan Religion, Rituals, and Practices by Nana Kuya Chejwa Apokua. This particular Nana, she wrote these books already, but 
after a while, she was she was based here in D.C., and I was a member of her shrine house. For the totality, when I ran into her until they eventually folded and she ended up having to move to Ghana, that was my nana. For us, a con, the event where a deity and human meet in a public setting is called an akom, A-K-O-M. The Akom is overseen by a fully trained Nana, those he or she has trained, who could fit into as many as 15 different categories, medicine person, diviner only, spirit, message, translator, priest, Kaftawakata. Kaftawakata is an African term for etc. Thus far, the main category that has taken prominence on this side of the water is Okomfo. O-K-O-M-F-O, that's the singular, or A-K-O-M-F-O, A-K-O-M-F-O, that's the plural. These are individuals who have completed their required three-year training and are well-versed in the ways of the deities in general and are also fully trained to join with one or sometimes numerous deities. The A-K-O-M-F-O usually come to the account with small traveling suitcases because when the right mix of energies happen, they become joined with a particular deity, and with the aid of a helper, they go off, change clothes, a white substance is put on their face, and they reemerge not as the individual you knew them as, but as a walking, breathing representation of that deity. Their identity is revealed based on the clothes they are wearing and or the implements that they are carrying. And, again, what's real interesting, I'm going to try not to go too much off script because we only got an hour left now. Um, thanks to all the people who have called in and want to continue this um, directly live. Um, it's just so funny how people can have such hard, rigid, reified opinions, and that's all the hell they are, opinions about something, and they don't know shit about it. They ain't read nothing, and they haven't experienced it. And that's why I keep coming back and reusing the word experiential. African spirituality has to be experienced. It is an experiential thing. And even in the clip that I just played with that question about the deities that I'm reading now, I said all of the books that I had read on African spirituality had not prepared me for the actual experience, for actually seeing um, the, the, the ritual and process, for actually feeling the energy change in the room when this um, extra-dimensional force, when this deity entered this realm. You have to experience that. Ain't shit I can do to prove it. The best thing I can think of is, 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 um, hook up something to your brain and you go to in a calm experience and if your amygdala is, is, is heightened and it shows up on the EKG readings, then you've tapped into a spiritual experience. The body response alone does not fully define spirit and its interactions. But for all y'all that like, poof, 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 the amygdala is what's, it's, it, it's what's been found to be stimulated when one is having a spiritual experience. 
And I think the cracker who talked about that, I think his name is um, Andrew Nuremberg or Nuenberg or something like that. Y'all dig that up. Okay. So, the Akamas led by the Nana has the initiated Akamfa, has drummers trained in the rhythms of the deities, singers versed in the songs of the deities, and then everyone else, the uninitiated. And we can't leave out also within this experience maybe also folks presently going through the initiation process, which I mentioned for the Akan is three years. For the Yerba, it's one year. So the sacred space is created, the drummers drum, and the singers sing. There is usually a deity hierarchy which takes place and an order that is adhered to. But this can change based on the nana and usually definitely when the deities come. I keep stressing the word trained because there is usually nothing haphazard that happens. When the deity joins and comes on this plane, there is a protocol that said deity must follow to be allowed to stay. Sometimes ancestors of individuals come, and they can come to folks trained or untrained. Sometimes they join with trained people to impart a message either to the entire group there or in private to a specific person. Sometimes extra-dimensional forces, like a group called the Mamotia, small dwarf-like trickster entities, they come, also to impart the messages or sometimes just to take part in the spiritual festivities. Penultimately, one can also be moved at Nakong. When the drums are going and the songs are going and the deities are joining and the changing of the energy level, said energy can get quote-unquote hot or very high. Certain people are then moved to tears in their seats and or moved to join the sacred space and dance. Within the sacred space, always a circle, all participants are encouraged, usually at set times, to join the circle and dance. Real African spirituality involves dancing for the deities. If you know the specific dance for the deity during their song, great, do it, go for it. If not, you can still join the sacred circle and just dance to the drum rhythms. During this time, you are to say any prayers, silently ask questions to the deities, or just dance to enjoy the good drumming and singing. That basically is the Akon, is the Akom experience. Again, it is similar to the Bembe, the sacred circle experience for those practicing Ifa and the other systems I have listed either through personal experience or academic research. Hopefully, if all I just said fall on deaf ears of the black atheist Tyrone who asked the question and commented initially, others more receptive will hear it and be more in tune with what I just said. Lastly, no negative so-called evil spirits inhabits a calms. The creation of the sacred space aids in that. And again, folks present are trained to ward them off and let them know that they are not welcome. Now, regarding this last area, I'm taken back to a line in a great documentary called Voices of the Gods, which details the birth or rebirth of the Akan and the Ifa systems here in North America. One of the interviewers 
someone who helped write the book that I, other book I've been quoting from, Sankofa Movement, um, I'm a queen of culture, and she's right here in D.C., and I know her personally. She commented on um, the violent possession experience shown in the movie The Exorcist. And she is a trained Okomfo. She was one of the first ones that got, that got trained in the 80s. She basically said that if that would have happened in an African context, it would have been easy to find out who the spirit was and easy to dispel it. And I'm sorry I wasn't able to get the exact quotes or direct quotes so I could play it, but if you get the documentary Voices of the Gods, it's in there. Are there people who fake joining? Yes. Are those people caught and chastised by the Nana and or the other Okomfo? Yes. Does it happen often based on this checks and balances system? No. There are times that the uninitiated, excuse me, there are things that the uninitiated can do as to not get duped by an unscrupulous um, African traditional spiritual system practitioner. But that falls outside of the scope of this particular talk, but those things do exist. Again, Kwesi Rodnahempatai Khan and his Ajirafo podcast have multiple shows detailing this. And so I just threw that last part in because I know, again, some of y'all folks who, again, have no experience with it, would immediately go to, well, how y'all going to tell if they faking? We have our time-tested ways of telling. Now, I think around 2011, some people got turned out from an African spiritual process because of the questionable workings of one or two or three particular individuals. And that might be why they're so anti-African spirituality. But your little individual, however many years you've been on the planet, does not cancel, does not wipe out 500,000 years of documented evidence and experiential evidence to the contrary of your limited understandings. Just because you might not like or understand African spirituality and the spirits and the deities and the ancestors do not mean they're not real. That just means you don't think so. That's all it means. Okay. Direct interaction, yada, yada. think is this lastly on the on on the good decent question side because even you know asked about the deities if you ain't never seen them before and I'm saying that they come join the space that's a fair question again I don't shy away from from venues that you go ask the hard questions but all the other stupidity is what it is so now a sister called in and asked about energy and questioned the validity of spirit. I would now tell her to dust off her occult geometry book. Now, ideally, I would say turn on your African mind, 
but um, how that particular questioning went, um, this Caucasoid book would have to suffice for you, um, Occult Geometry. Everything is vibration. Humans have atoms made up of quarks, leptons, other non-discovered by Caucasoid things. They all vibrate. They vibrate at a generally slow rate. Therefore, you can see humans. We're just a bunch of slowly vibrating atoms. Spirit, however, capital S, or spirits, are also vibrations. The dark matter they are made of vibrate at an extremely high rate. Therefore, our human eyes cannot see them, but they do nevertheless exist. Caucasoids are feverishly working on ways to capture spirit images or even capture spirits to quantify what they are made of and if they do vibrate at a specific fixed rate. Some Caucasoids say they have said technology. Other Caucasoids say they're lying. I say we Africans do not need to wait on the 25,000 or 75,000-year-old questionable human group called Caucasoids to come up with said technology that our 500,000-year ancestors from the top of the continent to the bottom of the continent all attest to the reality of spirit and spirits. Lastly, the questioner agrees that energies, energy is neither created nor destroyed. It simply changes form. Then when a family member dies, because I think also in there they question ancestors, stuff like that, while their physical presence While their physical presence may become their spiritual energy that has just transformed, always within a voice reach of the family members. Voice, of course, being another form of energy. So ancestors are real, and they stay, quote, unquote, alive when you call on them, give them offerings and keep them a real part in your lives. Our third show in our Real African Spirituality um, series was a lecture by Dr. Murambani, and she talks about this magnificently, and that show is called um, African Spiritual Philosophy. Again, Dr. Murambani, somebody these folks from TRS don't know, don't quote, um, don't know, don't quote, all of them. So it said I was going to take a break there. I don't feel like taking a break right there. Okay. Let's move into... some of the more idiotic, asinine comments that's rooted in science being their new God, and they prostrate to the altar of science and technology 
as only defined by Caucasoids. Again, Jacob Carruthers wrote a small book called Science and Oppression, and then he, tra- he put that little book into his larger book, Intellectual Warfare. Science is culturally determined. It is not universal. And therefore, you have to understand the science of the people that you're dealing with and how they look at it and how they define it. And if they define it with spirit all up in it, you will not be allowed to come up in and say, all that spirit shit don't exist, we just going to do this and we just going to do that. You might not get out of that area alive saying that. So right here, and I, I want to find this because I had something specific. In response, there we go, okay. So, let's play this clip. This is from a guy named Pianchi. <laughs> For regular listeners of the show, y'all know back in the day, he used to call in to our show, and we would be respectful of him, and we'd listen to him and stuff, and he was big on pushing economics only, economics only, economics only. You're talking too much about the culture piece, economics only, economics only. So even when I would tell him, look, you could give every single black person who's been stolen $7 million tomorrow. If the mindset and the culture ain't changed, crackers going to get that $7 million back very, very quickly. So you have to change the mindset, the culture, the worldview of the people first, and then we can start talking about money. And I mentioned how Amos Wilson, the first six chapters of his great book, Blueprint for Black Power, walks you through that, how to get the solidarity, consciousness and power, what power is, um, identity and power, personality and power. He walks through all of that. All of that you got to get right first before you talk about some money. I think it was chapter 12, 13, somewhere more in the middle of the book where he first introduces talking about economics and money. But Pianchi can't seem to understand that. And so, he, you know, after a while he stopped calling. Seems like he's a regular on this show because he had this uninformed, all his comments were uninformed, but he had this particular uninformed statement to say about ancestors. Well, I disagree with you on that because human beings had to believe in nothing before they could believe in something. Boom. And when no, you talk about calling on your nothing ancestors. Nothing is something, you dummy. What? You dumb bitch, nothing is something. Wait, 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 wait. Listen, nothing, nothing is, is something. Um, Gary is trying to what run you this for nothing? the best. Can you not hear what I'm saying now? Because we need to get we need to get this shit under control. Y'all getting out of control. So Gary trying to do the best he can. Y'all need to respect that and allow him to at least try to run this show. But let me check six seven eight. Wait, 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 hold on. Let me finish, Tyrone. Eight, damn minute. I damn. Can you stop talking right now? Please stop. Oh wow. Please stop talking. Stop talking right now, please. Thank you. Let me check six seven eight. Who is six seven eight? 
It's Brother Unk, man. Black African. That's Brother Unk. I'm trying to tell you, Brother Unk was trying to kill Real black. Hold on, hold on. What's up, And your name is Unk. Change your name, Unk. Please do. Wait a minute. Listen. Welcome to the show, Gary. I'm going to give you the helm back, please. Okay. Anyway, let me finish what I was saying. Hey, this is Renee, and I'm supposed to be guesting with... um, I know, and I'm out there, Renee. Y'all just not even going in no order. So please, y'all, give him respect, and don't talk over him. Well, I was getting ready to say one other thing. Kamu, you tell that people need to call upon their ancestors, but they got to call on both sides of their ancestors. Wouldn't you agree? You don't call on racists? No. That makes no sense. Well, they're your ancestors. Because W.D. Du Bois, Du Bois' ancestors, Du Bois had a white father, and he had a black mother. And the Africans that came over here, well, let's put it like this. My wife, which is is Awey, her ancestors is not the same ancestors as the average African-American's ancestors. Those deities that you're talking about, she can relate to. But African-Americans, it's not, I mean, it's just the way it is. Their their path back to their ancestors takes two routes, and you have to acknowledge that. Because it takes two routes. No, go ahead. Explain that. It well, it routes. does. It takes two routes. Du Bois's route to his ancestors takes two routes. It has to take two routes. Adam Clayton Powell's route to his ancestors takes two. It takes two paths. So, so when white, so when white blood get in, you stop being black. Well, no, they part of your ancestors. Okay, let me well, try this. I got, a fr- I got a friend in that position. Let me address this question. I got a friend in that position, and he tried to follow that, and he set up the altar, and uh, and he he had he had two halves of it, and so on one half he had his his black mama's ancestors stuff on there, and on the other side he had his white father's ancestors on there, and it was in a room all by itself, so the windows was closed, nothing. They come back, he comes back the next day, and somehow, he still doesn't to this day don't know what happened, but all of the stuff on his white daddy's side was all knocked down all on the floor. Nobody was in the room, no kids was running around, no stuff, wind blowing, nothing, nothing. He did it the next day, and the same thing happened. He took it eventually as a message that I'm not putting this side up, I'm just sticking with this side. Well, what you probably had there, folks, what you probably... I don't see folks calling what on you probably, rapists within the family. 99% of the white folks that are, quote-unquote, in our lineage are rapists. We want to forget yeah, them. We want correct. to get them out of our minds. You want well, to wait a minute, now, them. So we would not be setting up... You get a chance to say your point. You well, you're going on too long. I, would, I just made one point. Let me make this one point so I can get out of here real quick. You, 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 you're going through a lecture. I hear what you said, no, but my to response to that is rape, and you don't oh, call on rapists. I thought it was something. Well, Emmett Till's father was a rapist. Who was? Now let me get back to what I was getting ready to say. If it was like that, who, who then what you had? Well, was? come on, man. I mean, you over here at TRS, you visiting our site? Yeah, oh, we don't talk over each other. Now let me finish. Now, as I said before. You, they got two routes, and to the scenario that you gave with the person in the Appalachian, you probably have ancestor spirits that's still fighting against each other. But in true facts, people have 
the way that it is, they have two paths to their ancestors. Now that they hear, Alicia Keys does. She call, she's considered black. Now, you may not want to admit that, but factually it's true. Thank you very much. Thank you, Pappy. Okay. Yeah. Nothing but confusion there. So, quickly, so I just heard him. I guess he's a regular member of Falcon Forum over at LIB Radio. And while I question Pianchi, I respect Kitty, so I leave that alone. But what Pianchi had to say over there in dealing with uh, his specific St. Louis experience and certain aspects of nation building and all that sort of stuff, I'm down with. And he has some good contributions. With this ancestor stuff, he's talking out his ass. So, Pianchi, you need to stay in your lane. You have no idea, zero idea what you're talking about. You kept saying probably and maybe and it could do and da-da-da. You're speaking as someone who doesn't know what you're talking about just on the wording that you're using. So, therefore, shut up, sit down, listen, read, and experience. We don't talk over each other on TRS. All you got to do is listen to about 15 minutes of that, and you see that was some laughable bullshit. But more of what he said was laughable bullshit, too. The best scientific way can I, I can address this is you're talking out your ass. You have absolutely no understanding of real African spirituality and are coming at the subject you know nothing about with a Western mind. And if you... And if your AA wifey told you that, she is coming from a Western mind. Within the Akan Yoruba Ifa systems, each child is born, each child born um, is based on the day that they're born. And they're born with a guiding spirit. You will hear um, Ifa people say, I'm a child of Abatala, or I am married to Oshun. Within the Akan system, and again, here I'm mentioning West African systems because with the Caucasoid slave trade, that was where the majority of us came from. So it will be a lot easier to tap into those particular systems, and you probably have those systems in your lineage. Um, later on, I'll be dealing with somebody that's talking about, oh, there's so many cultures, there's so many. How do you tell? You're just picking from one and one. No, I ain't fool. You ain't listening. I'm being very specific, but I'm giving multiple examples so you can get it. So I just gave an example from the Yoruba system of Ifa, which we are still connected to by blood. Um, the, blood may be, the blood may be mixed, but the soul is not. The spirit is not. Within the Akan system, um, we're also, we also have um, what's called the Akradin um, or the Akradin Bosum. The um, day names, basically. So if you were born on a Sunday, then the celestial body ruling over you is the sun. If you're a male, your name will be Kwasi, Kwasi, or Akwasi. And if you're a woman, your name will be Akoswa, Esi, or Kisi. If you're born on Monday, you're governed by the moon. And your name would be Kwajo or Kwojo or Kojo. And if you're a woman, Ajwa, Ajwa, 
um, Ejo or Edwoba. If you're born on Tuesday, you're governed by Mars. And if you're male, Kwabana or Kobana. And if you're female, Abana or Brabra. If you're born on Wednesday, such as myself, your name will be Kwaku, Kwaku, or Aku, or Aku, excuse me. Kwaku, Kwaku, or Aku. And if you're a female, um, Akuya, Equia, um, and different spellings. If you're born on Thursday, you're governed by Jupiter. Your name as a male will be Yao, Ya, Yawu, or Kwao. If you're a female, Ya, Abba, or Yawa. If you're born on Friday, you're governed by Venus. Male, Kofi, Kwafi, or Yofi. If you're a female, Afua, Afia, or Efua. And if you're born on Saturday, you're governed by Saturn. Your name will be Kwame or Kwamina. And if you're a female, Ama, Aminminiwa, Ama, Amba, or Ame. Not the same deities. Not the same ancestors. No, no, no. Not the same deities, because this is, this is intertwined with it. Since some of the deities are based off of forces of nature, did the sun change after slavery? Did Mars, Venus, Mercury, Jupiter change after the Ma'afi experience? Did the days of the week as we presently know them change, as we presently know them change after slavery? I mean, did Sunday become Tuesday, Monday is now Friday? It is asinine to say that the deities that we are born with all of a sudden changed post-slavery. It is an unlearned, uneducated position that has no basis in African reality. The deities have changed, and they're different on the continent than they are over here. We all deal with the same sun, moon, Mars, Jupiter. We name them different names, but those ain't changed. They governed us when we was on the continent, and they govern us now. So that little piece about it, it's, it's changed and all that, it is what it, whatever you know, that's an unlearned position. You, you, you haven't read nothing, and wifey ain't taught you nothing, or maybe she came over as a Christian so she can't teach you. Now, this piece on calling on all the ancestors. First of all, we throw around the, the term ancestor too loosely. All people who die do not become ancestors. The Apokawa the book that I mentioned earlier, in the book African Religion Defined by Initiated Chief Anthony Donker, and the nine-part YouTube clip on ancestors by Nana Fukiao all talk about this. And for you to keep on and keep on with your asinine non-understanding about ancestors, I know you ain't read or watched none of that shit. You're talking out your ass. The different levels of those who are deceased, what it takes for a human spirit to become an ancestor, as well as what happens to humans who live a wretched, horrible life. Properly understood, if you properly understood spirit, 
Mr. Pianchi. You could not make the statement you made in good conscience. You are inviting disorder into people's homes. You never, ever, 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 ever call on disorderly spirits unless you're doing it for quote-unquote so-called evil or nefarious reasons. Your immaterial example stupid. If his father was a rapist, no, you don't call on him. All those other folks, the, 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 the Alicia Keys and, and Anna Clayton Powell, if they got white folks in their ancestry, no, you don't call the fuck on them. You don't call on disorderly spirits into your space. That is asinine, and nobody will tell you to do that. But you don't know that because you ain't talking to nobody and ain't read nothing about that. Those of us who practice any type of real African spirituality are always instructed upon our righteous ancestors. For the Akan, the term is not a nomen samanful. For the Yoruba who practice Ifa, it's Igongon. And you can even add um, those who exhibited Iwapele, I-W-A-P-E-L-E, which is a Yoruba term for gentle or righteous character. These are the folks you call on, not just anybody willy-dilly. You don't know what you're talking about. For the Igbo, the term is Izibo Madu, good character, positive moral conduct. For ancient Kemet, it was Macheru, true of voice. If we don't have or know of anyone of that statue within our lineage, while at our encomre, our altar, we can just directly say, I am calling upon advice from my righteous ancestors with help in so-and-so. But you never, under any circumstances, call upon those wicked folks who died, period. So no, no Caucasoid is ever to be called upon at our encomre. And besides, now, here's the disconnect of epistemologies here. You don't know what that is? Look it up. Caucasoids don't even believe in spirits, nor do they have this spiritual chromatic system within their reality. They may build a few monuments. They may give them a holiday, but that's it. And since we are not Caucasoids, well, at least some of us ain't, you know, you got some black-skinned folks, um, who follow them. Otherwise, we do not follow their dictates in matters that grossly outdate their existence by hundreds of thousands of years. Your speculation is shot down by 500,000 years of documented and experiential knowledge. Next question. So we got that, we got that. <laughs> now, I've mentioned his name. We're going to keep talking about him. Brother Ankh. More rightly called the definition killer. He knows a little something, something. And by his own admission, studied African spirituality for 10 years. As I said at the beginning of the show, even though you're, you, I think physically you're older than me by a little bit, 
I'm still going to say it this way, son, I have been studying this for 20 years, since around 95, 96. So in 95, 96, I think you were still dealing with that pedophile, Mr. Malachi, 15,000 names, York. Maybe you got turned out with African spirituality during that. Maybe you got turned out with African spirituality from your dealings with um, Nikki Young, Nikki, Nikki Love. That's how I first got wind of you, bruh. You and Nikki was doing the blog talk show, and, you know, I was new to it, and I was like, oh, okay, wow, they they talking, dropping some stuff, whatever, whatever, whatnot. But something happened between 2010 and 2011, and that's when this first black atheist, and then uh, I think a year or so after that, the real black atheist, where you playing with definitions for folks that don't know no better. So something happened. I haven't figured it out yet. I can't quantify. I can't prove what happened. But something happened, Aunt, because this, 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 this. What word am I looking for? This. Egregious rejection of 500,000 years of knowledge that should be in your face and in your bookshelf um, just doesn't lend to um, good thought. So it would be interesting to see what happened. Did you get turned out from the misinformation of the pedophile, or did you get turned out with some bad interactions with you and Nikki? I don't know. I'm only speculating there. Now, you see, when I'm speculating, I'll let you know. If I'm quoting somebody, I'm going to let you know. If I experience something, I'm going to let you know. So here I'm speculating. But something happened. But anyway, um, here is his drivel on the spirits don't work. And let's just do science and technology, science and technology, science and technology, only defined by Caucasoids. Man, I just want to say uh, hello to the family. Um, What's happening, brother? I'm doing pretty good, man. Well, how you doing, sis? The scientist, Sister Jackie. Um, to be honest with you, I don't bang on uh, traditional African systems, but what I will tell you is this is a statement that I stick with. None of the altars, none of the ancestors, none of them saved our ass when they came and kidnapped us. So that should tell you that that shit was lacking somewhere, and we got to understand that. That at some at some juncture, some point, superstition overtook the science and technology that made us great. The science and technology that was the original African system. And I've been trying to get people back to science and technology for the last ten years. Okay, my whole fight. So when those who say, Well, there aren't any African atheist nations, I've never said that black people, Africans Originally called themselves atheists It was no need to call themselves that They had a natural way of life They're looking at the world And they formed a reality from the natural world And they looked at the birds, the bees, the trees The apples, the flies, and everything in it And they, and they added Attributes to those things And worked them in their life Naturally So, brother, my point Let me finish my point when, when, when other nations, other people came to learn from these African people, when they took back that natural way of looking at the world, 
They called them atheists. Plain and simple. So whenever you look at the who natural was, world. Who is they? Man, come on, bro. Cut it out. You ain't even ready for that conversation. Just cut it out, man. Right now, you talking all the authors and all that, they're going to call you an atheist. They're going to say, you do not believe in God, you say. I've been through it. Go to your, your aunts, your uncles. They're going to look at you like you're crazy, right? Voodoo going to say you out your mind. You're, you're a devil. That's the truth, brother. So whenever we practice our thing, regardless of what it is, right, you're going to be anti-God. Plain and simple. So we should never try to hook our thing up. Well, if our thing is right, wrong, or different, you should never try to hook it up with the monolithic religion. But we were scientists, and we lost our way, superstition, a bunch of crap, and none of them elders saved our motherfucking ass. No matter what you say, so since oh, you're oh, 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 I'm asking right now, right now, send us first to change our society right now. That's all I'm saying. Right now, stop the police from shooting our babies. Stop the crack dealers. Stop the low-income moms from being on food stamps with the mighty altar. You can't do it. You're vulnerable just like here, everybody here. else. I just want to make here, that here. point. Cut the crap and cut the damn shenanigans. It's something to this hey, can that I get have it? not recognized. This is miscommunication, people. I cannot believe it. Hold on, hold on. Can I get this question? Can I? Can I get this question? Can the brother? Wait, hold on. No, no. Send a spirit this way. Send a spirit this way. Send me two, three spirits this way. And I'll ask you, why don't you send a goddamn spirit to the president house? Why don't you send a goddamn spirit to the chief of fucking police? Because you can't do it. Because you like everybody else. We need to work together and learn science and technology. Because they're killing us with science and technology. They defeated us with science and technology. They didn't defeat us with the best altar. It's a bunch of crap. Cut the shenanigans. So I is don't think I'm Ross Squad? Africa. Is this Ross Squad the fuck up? Okay, I just want to make sure this is on. All right, if anybody wants to. Another good example of what poses as intellectual discourse in the stolen African community. Any good book on African reality in general will tell you that there is no separation of church and state. There is no compartmentalization of aspects of reality. Spirituality, economics, politics, education, Kafka have always, for us, existed in a seamless interplay and exchange off of each other. So for you to say the deities didn't work and we must only be focused on science and technology makes a Caucasoid-minded fatal flaw. You are pulling out African traditional spiritual systems to chastise it while overlooking the other aspects of society that were in disarray to bring about our downfall. Your new god, Ankh, science and technology, failed Kemet, also after the 25th dynasty. There, basically, there was basically a total cultural breakdown that we had recovered from three previous times, but by that faithful 25th dynasty, we were too tired and got overran. But it is intellectually disingenuous to put the total blame on African traditional spiritual systems. 
It was a mistake to take the Hyksos so lightly. It was a mistake to marry non-Africans into the royal lineage as a way to broker peace. Hell, it might have been a mistake to let the Greeks into our schools in the first place. But stop with the Caucasoid-minded notion of the compartmentalization of African reality to prove your undefendable point. Show me, since you want to talk about proof, prove it, prove it. You show me, you made the statement, well, maybe superstition overran the society. Show me some damn proof where an over-reliance on African traditional spiritual systems had ever directly affected us negatively during our pre-invasion times or shut the hell up on that idea. We can pull it out and say it for days for us messed up in Christianity, Islam, Judaism, and all those other non-African crap. But pre-invasion Africa, prove it to me. Prove your damn point. You prove something to me. Show me some documentation that says, oh, well, the encroaching people came and we didn't pick up no arms because we was in front of the damn altar praying. Show me somebody who documented that saying that. Otherwise, us having an over-reliance on the ATSS systems is just you talking out your ass. Prove it to me or shut the hell up on that point. You claim to have read a lot, but obviously you're reading the wrong stuff, huh? Put down those tablets of pedophiles and read real information about Africa. First, we were giving warnings all throughout the damn continent of impending danger. Constantly. We didn't listen. 2,000 seasons by Ikwe Armand hints at this. And if you just try to dismiss that as fiction, again, you haven't read shit because damn near every journal article that looks at and talks about that book calls it more historical fiction. Names and places of specific details may have changed, but the actuality of the events did happen. So you can't just dismiss that. But that hints at what I was just talking about. But there have been books that have been written that talk about the, 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 the shrine workers, the healers would come and tell the king, we have impending danger coming. What are we going to do? Unfortunately, most of the damn time they got laughed out, laughed out the court. And in the case of, 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 of 2000 Seasons, the book I just mentioned by Aikwe Arma, which I don't think you know him either, um, Brother Isanusi was even banished to the third grove because he kept stirring up the pot and trying to let them know some shit's coming, we got to react. So you find that example over and over again throughout the continent. I don't know what the hell you're reading, but you're reading the wrong stuff. Second, when they first came, they came as traitors or they were sick. So we didn't. So they didn't first come as a threat. Dr. Clark even talks about this. So that one you might know because you, you you like to talk about him a lot. Third, when they did attack, it caught us off guard. But even then, the record is replete of us whooping their asses, and quite often they had to retreat and regroup. And I'm sure. I hope you know about all of that. Fourth, they got a foothold on the inside by appealing to our outcasts, folks who had wronged the community, 
some in small ways, some in large ways, and, and they were outcasts from that particular area. And Caucasoids also got a foothold by appealing to the sellouts. Everybody has their sellouts from beginning of time to end. Everybody got their sellouts. So they got in physically with dealing with the outcasts and dealing with the sellouts. And they were quick to jump to help the Caucasoids. Fifth, a huge, huge problem. Whether we won or lost the battle, we did not have a communications network to tell others about the victory or to be on alert. Again, if you read the right stuff, they talk about that. A, a, a village just got raided, and, you know, and the, the, the neighboring village may have saw it, and so they was trying to figure out and scramble what to do. But the village two, three, you know, clicks down the way, didn't see nothing, didn't hear nothing, word didn't get passed. So by the time the crackers came, they would get overran. I personally think that's one of the biggest problems of what happened during the Ma'afa. We did not have a well-established communications network to let us know either of the successes, this is what y'all need to do to get rid of these, these fools, or losses to be on alert. Specifically in regards to ATSS, to create protection implements, it takes time and sometimes very specific resources. If we would have listened back at step one, we may have been able to create enough stuff to repel them for good. But as one of our African proverbs rightly reminds us, one does not sharpen one's weapons on the field of battle. So by us not listening well in advance or well enough in advance, we were not able to make all of the implements that we needed to protect us. But again, you can poo-poo um, Brother Jason, um, Brother Lasana, that last show that I did, where he's talking about um, the salves to um, um, have bullets bounce off of you and for um, stuff to just cut you and bounce off and, and, and not cut you. You can poo-poo that all you want, but those examples, again, are replete in the literature. And, and looking at the Mau Mau in Kenya, they did it and was talking about it. When you look down um, with Shaka Zulu, they did it and was, and was doing stuff. But that takes time. And, again, since you're not in, that, in this realm and you don't know what the hell's going on, um, you just got to take my word for it. It takes time and some of the stuff, very specific implements, uh, very specific resources, um, flora, fauna, whatever, will be needed, and sacrifices made and stuff like that to make enough of those things. Also, crackers banned <laughs> our religious systems. They, 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 they tried to educate it out of us on the continent, and they straight up banned them over here. And we talked about the um, Caucasoid sellouts. I mean, we talked about the Caucasoids using sellouts, um, used us, either sellouts or with threats, to use our ATR to foil uprisings, to heal the sick, heal sick Caucasoids on the plantations. So you keep talking about the deities don't work and this stuff don't work. If you read a few interesting, specific details 
on enslavement, you will come to find some of the plantation owners had some faith in the stuff because they saw it work. And so sometimes they would either threaten a healer or, or he was just a sellout to warn the Caucasoid on any coming uprisings that may happen. Or if the White Heifer, the White House heifer got sick, um, they would call on the medicine men to go and heal her and stuff. Any Caucasoids who were enslaving us, who saw the stuff work on some level for us, had more faith in it than your ass who ain't seen nothing or got turned out from dealing with questionable people. And lastly, this one is a big one. This one shuts that hole. The shit don't work down. I did a talk called Spiritual Counterinsurgency of 1964. Your U.S. government put together a whole paper and a whole um, action plan on spiritual counterinsurgency and how to deal with the people of the Congo. Part of the things within the plan is to corrupt um, some healers. Some of the stuff in the plan is to kill um, powerful, powerful healers. Uh, some of the stuff in the plan try to try to buy them off. But one of the things that was in the plan is train white folks to get up in the systems so they can then have a counterbalance to where if we do something, then the Caucasoid will try to do something. Spiritual counterinsurgency, I did a whole show on it. And if you go to that particular show page, you, I put the actual document there for you to look at it. So it's interesting that Caucasoids, your intellectual masters, Ankh, the definition killer, seem to understood the efficacy of African spirituality and what it can do more than you. They created whole programs to try to shut it down. They tried to ban it from us doing it. They tried to ban us from doing it. And they tried to create sellouts or employ caucasoids to go into our systems, learn the systems, and then use the systems against us. But they didn't have a reaction to, oh, this shit is some superstitious BS, and they still believe in this in the 60s, blah, blah, blah. We ain't going to deal with it. No. So, again, those are more examples. We, we, let me do a fourth one. In Haiti, again, I don't know where you travel, I don't know, I don't know, and I don't know who you talk to. But if you talk to some folks from Haiti, even if they are against voodoo, they're not against it because it's some superstitious BS that doesn't work. Unfortunately, some of the folks, folks who I have talked to personally, are against it because they have seen people use it effectively for the wrong reasons, to get a car to get a woman, to get back at a man, 
like the song that we played, Speak No Ephi, you doing spells to get some pussy, that's some stupid shit. That's a paraphrase, but that's basically what he said. So those are four areas that talk about the efficacy, the usefulness, the actuality of African spirituality. Do you know any of those? Did you have you come across any of those in in, in all of the books that you like to do your videos in, in in front of? Because some of the statements you wouldn't make if you had read that stuff in those books. But for someone who's been doing this for twenty years, double the time that you've been doing it, I have come across that information, and now I'm going to share it for the wider audience so folks don't get duped by your misunderstanding spirituality. We got four minutes left in this overtime session. We'll have to do a part two. Damn it. <laughs> ah, where I went wrong was the, the, the long piece on, on African worldview. I went way over on that. But what I do want to say, part of my conclusion, we will do a part two to this. Um, it'll come soon. I put a lot of information out that I want to get out. Um, but in, 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 in conclusion, version one, Atheism falls by the wayside as a non-useful system for anyone, but especially for black people, because human cognitive ability is not the totality of reality. Atheism says there is nothing that exists outside of me. My mind can figure everything out. However, <laughs> we know that to be stupid and foolish, all things cannot be figured out just by the human mind. Part of that error comes when we follow the Greeks and not Kemet. The comedic school was 40 years long. Thales is recorded in Stolen Legacy to have went to our schools for a total of 25 years. And the best that he got and Pythagoras got and the other folks who went and didn't graduate got was all is mind. That's what they got. The catch to that is there was 15 more damn years left of the school that no Greek finished. So therefore, all is mind and everything can be figured out by the human mind is a low-level comedic understanding. Within those other 15 years, the profundity of spirit and spirituality would have been explained. That's why the Greeks reduced everything to nature. They did not and do not understand spirit, and they did not graduate from our schools. So when we talk about atheism, and we can figure everything out, and nothing exists outside of my mind and what I can figure out, where does inspiration come from? 